Hey everybody, welcome back to the latest episode of the Roarcast Men's Soccer Takeover Edition. We've got a show full of guests. Uh, this is Mike Kowalski. I'm joined by Kyle Matrician. Megan Rojas is back on assignment, so she will not be with us today. Send her into the field. She's, uh, she's actually reporting on the election. Good. Is that what you were going to say? No, I wasn't. I was going <laughs> to say, I mean, we're recording this uh, on thursday after election day so by the time you're listening we may have a president we might not who knows that's true gonna be some recounts. president-elect we do have a president well yeah, yeah, we might we have, have that but again there's might be recounts so we don't know what's going to happen by the time this, this hits the airwaves that's true that's the true. interwebs the interwebs so. Megan yeah, we have... is out in uh, carson city nevada trying to figure out what's going on yep yep so more important things than than our tiny little <laughs> podcast <laughs> It's a few, few, few listens here and there. So, yeah, but, uh, we, had, we have a jam-packed episode for you this week. We had the majority of the men's soccer staff uh, on the call. I think uh, you could really tell the balance between the three people we had on, and I think that's, you know, kind of a key to what's worked for them and what it's going to take them in the next direction. And then we were able to get some more feedback from the group of guys. And you can see there's, the coaches talked about it, but it was evident when we talked to them as well that the culture is strong and they're working very hard on and off the pitch communication wise and like training wise to make sure they're ready for whenever they're to, to be able to get back on the field. Kyle, I know this is uh, your group. It's your second year working with men's soccer. So uh, what, what's your, what's your experience been like uh, with working with them so far? Yeah. And you know, it's funny, Mike, it was like really timely for me to switch over to soccer because I just got interested in, you know, watching the premier league, uh, I became a Wolves fan, <laughs> which the guys on the team know, Wolverhampton Wanderers, but in you know, a long story short, they were near the Premier League the year I started watching. And so I started rooting for them and it worked out because they're doing pretty well. But Sheely, as we found out, he's from the UK, but we found out he's a Chelsea fan, just like you are. So uh, that's exactly know, where I was going with it. Yeah. That's where you're seeing. Still yeah. your thought again. Still your thought again. Yeah, that's all good. But me and Kyle have been on a weird brain wavelength from. Have. 10 miles apart today yeah, the distance is uh brought us closer <laughs> all right that's enough all right, that's, that's enough, enough here from us <laughs> we, we've got a jam-packed show we're gonna throw it to a quick break stick around for kevin anderson ken pollard and alex fatovich the coaches from the men's soccer staff back after this during my time at Columbia, the incredible support from the university, alumni, and parents has helped us make great strides in the resources we've been able to provide our student-athletes in and out of competition. We do not want to lose that momentum during this unprecedented year. With that in mind, I'm excited to announce the launch of the One Roar Campaign for Athletics. For this year only, the One Roar Fund will replace all sports-specific fundraising. By bringing our alumni and parent communities together, we can truly do something exceptional for past, present, and future Columbia Lions. In these times where reduced revenues and increased fiscal pressure are the new normal, the money raised during this campaign will support each of our 700 plus student athletes from all 31 sport programs, as well as the administrative units that support our teams. Your past investments in our athletic programs have been critical to our success, and I hope we can rely upon you to help our entire department through these challenging times. Be safe and go Lions. For more information and to make a gift, please visit GoColumbiaLions.com backslash one roar. 
We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Lions. At Athletic Brewing Company, we've built America's first craft non-alcoholic brewery. We've created a lineup of award-winning non-alcoholic beers. Our beers are made with organic grains and start at only 50 calories. Athletic beers are perfect for anyone who loves being healthy and active, but also loves to enjoy great tasting All beer right, with welcome friends. Back to, our first to give us a try, go to athleticbrewingcompany.com and use code ATHLETIC20 for 20% off your first order. Head coach Kevin Anderson in his 12th season with the Lions. We have associate head coach Ken Pollard in his ninth season. And we have assistant coach Alex Fadovich in his second season. Gentlemen, we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having us. Thanks. I know it's been obviously a very, uh, I don't know, chaotic, interesting, crazy, unprecedented, all the buzzwords uh, the last you know, how long has it been? Seven, seven, eight months now. Um, I'm, you know, we, we, we've talked about this with uh, some of our other full sports teams, but when all this stuff happened in the spring, it's like, you know, we all think we're just going home for a couple of weeks and then we'll come back. And then, you know, here we are seven months later, eight months later. And, uh, you know, no, unfortunately no soccer season in the fall, but that doesn't mean that the work stops for you three. That doesn't mean, uh, that you're not constantly in communication with your team, that you're, that you're not, you know, having the guys interact with each other and come and coming up with things to do. So coach Anderson, I'm going to start with you. How have like, how have the last eight months uh, really like changed what your, your kind of like work style on what you've had to do with the team? Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for having us. We appreciate, appreciate the opportunity to share with you what, uh, what we've been doing the the time frame you mentioned is really unprecedented right and it's something that's new for uh for all of us but i think i think we'd be remiss if we didn't if we didn't mention the support that that we all have received from from our institution and and from our athletic depart, department and and then specifically uh, the volume of work that, that Brent Walker has done in championship performance and Jessica Paolo has done in enrichment services. Uh, and then obviously that entire, you know, that entire team and, and staff. So uh, it's been, it's been a time where we've, we've actually learned, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot about ourselves. Um, it's been a, it's been a time for reflection uh, and a time and a time to, to really build relationships with your community uh, in a really special, special way. So things have changed uh, dramatically, but I can tell you the work hasn't decreased. Um, I think the work has become more specific and I think the work has become uh, a lot more important in terms of continuing to build, build relationships. Yeah, Mike and I talk sometimes, it feels like the work has increased. You know, people, people outside of sports will, you know, ask us from time to time. So like, what do you, you know, what are, you, what are you doing now that you're not having sports going on? And people just think like, we got nothing going on, but it's like, no, like now we have to come up with all these new creative ways to get content out. And you guys have to come up with new creative ways to do your jobs as coaches and recruit and do everything virtually. So uh, kudos to you guys uh, for being able to do that in a good way. You did, you mentioned, uh, you know, the support that the men's soccer team has, you know, 
uh, on campus, but also, you know, we recently had Giving Day and you guys got a tremendous amount of support from, you know, the friends of the program, the family, the donors. Um, you, I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I do know that you guys had the most gifts of any sport program at Columbia Taking on Giving Day. Fencing, so, which is a huge accomplishment. Yes. I think it's the first time ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the most amount of gifts you, um, which, you know, we thank each and every one of those donors and you also, you know, outperformed your numbers from last year, even in the middle of a pandemic when your team isn't out there and you can't showcase your, your team and your players and kind of give everybody that experience, but you still, you know, overperformed from last year's numbers. So, can uh, you just talk about everything that went into to giving day for you guys and, you know, the tremendous amount of support that you got from, from your donors? Yeah, ab absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for bringing up one of the things that we've done, we've done well over during, yeah. during, this, uh, <laughs> during this time frame. And so I think, I think there are two major things when, when it comes to, uh, kind of where we are and how and how giving day is 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 a culmination of a lot of of a lot of things i think uh and and I hope that both alex and and Ken will get an opportunity to talk about these two things we've all obviously worked collaboratively um, but one is there was a major focus um on our cultural framework and and who we are as a team and who we are as individuals and what it is that we aspire to be on a daily on a daily basis. And Ken, Ken took the lead on that with our program right at the end of last season. Uh, we started working on it again when we came back into uh, the semester. And then obviously as everything quickly shut down, that has been a foundational piece for us. Um, and I hope, I hope Ken will get an opportunity to, to share more, more about that. That then gave us the stability and the alignment, right, to, to now move into, move into giving day. Um, to which Alex takes takes a massive lead uh, on that, and I think Alex can can speak to that about the the amount of time and effort and and what it took for us. But I think I think each of those come together in a in a really nice way to speak about what it is that we've been doing, what we've been prioritizing in our in our soccer community for our players, for our staffs, for our, for our families, for our players' families, our alumni's families. Their number one thing has been the health and safety and the continued health and safety of everybody. Um, and that's easy to talk about, but it's very difficult sometimes when you're on a computer screen to, uh, to get your feelings across. So I know that's a long, a long winded way to, to introduce uh, what took place on giving day. Um, pretty simple. Soccer players play for 90 minutes plus. Uh, fencers have these short bouts where the, you know they get one poke and this thing is over, um, and so we went into the late night hours on on this one between Michael and myself going back and forth via email and texting to the late night hours, and I think it literally came down to the final minute uh, of uh, of where we were. But I'll let Alex talk a little bit more more about giving. Day yeah, I do want to come back to that point that you just made about you and Michael because that seems really interesting. But Alex. Uh, you know, obviously me working with the men's soccer program from a communication standpoint, you and I had had conversations about giving day uh, in the lead up to it. So why don't you talk a little bit about what your role was uh, for giving day and, you know, just the reaction that you got off of all those pieces. Sure. Thanks, Kyle. Um, yeah, the, the, the short the short answer is giving day became our fall season. You know, we're, we're competitive people and we want to win. 
And this became an opportunity for us to have a competitive outlet um, with this misplaced season. So we kind of just went for it. And, and Kev's right. Our, I think the, uh, our growth in, in culture uh, through this really challenging time has been immense. We haven't been on the field together, and that's a challenge. But we've certainly become a much tighter program in terms of our cultural values. So this was an opportunity to display that um, from, from staff to players. And so, you know, what, one of my main tasks was, was kind of engaging um, not only our alumni, but just the support that our program has, trying to re-engage them when there's so many other things going on that, that you know, there's no games, there's no opportunities for them to connect with us. Well, this was that chance. And so, um, you know, working with Armin, one of our big alumni and, and his, his group, and we had a, a guy named Micah who, help put some of these videos together. Um, and our guys, our guys were phenomenal. You know, they did all these individual videos and there's some that, that weren't even posted because we just didn't, you know, we had so much, but, um, but all the guys chipped in, everybody did individual videos. I mean, Kev, how many, how many takes did we have some guys do three or four different takes? So all of a sudden we were producers and directors of, of little mini clips. So it became a really fun project and, and, uh, and just, to kind of be in the war room the day of and, and see the count kind of going up sort of, sort of similar to what's going on right now. Um, it was fun. It, it became a really fun opportunity for us and, and to, to eke it out. Kev, I think I left at 1030. I got home at 11. I checked it. Fencing was closing in. I said, Kev, Hey, we got to We're an hour out and they're, they're nipping at us. So whatever he did to pull off those last few gifts was, was pretty phenomenal, but um, to get, to get the win was great. It was a, it was a really good feeling and, and a lot of credit to the, to the guys, to, to, to how strong our players are. We ask them to do something on the field, off the field, whatever it takes. And, and they always end up showing up and doing it. And so I think that's a really, really good testament to where our culture is. And we can't wait to get back on the field to really display that, you know, in, in a soccer sense. You know, Ken, your role with the team and, you know, building the cultural framework that Coach Anderson just just spoke of. I mean, you know, you've been here for, as I mentioned when we introduced you, this is your ninth season. It's your third, I believe, as an associate head coach with the program. Um, but over nine years of, of being here, uh, how – what have you tried to do to – provide and build the cultural framework that you and coach Anderson uh, envisioned when you got here? That's a tough one. Thanks Ooh. for that, Kyle. Appreciate that. Um, I got, I got to get, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's got to be on the hot seat at some point here, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm Kev feel feel free to, to interject. I, I don't think, as much as I'd like to say, nine years ago we came in, when I came on board, we had a plan of this is where we, we how it was going to go. Um, it was a lot of this is where we are, this is where we'd like to get to. Um, how we're going to get there, um, that's a constant evolution. Um, one of the great things about our environment um, and one of the challenging things about our environment is basically you have a new, a new group 
every few months. You, when, when you're in the season, you, you have one group. Um, when, you, when the season ends, you graduate your seniors, and now you've got another group that you're working with. Then when the fall gets around, you've got an introduction of another group. So the group that you're working with, the personality of the group, the makeup of the group, the character of the group constant, is constantly changing. Um, and so your approach has to continually change with, with that group. So it's, you, you, what, what works with one group may not work with the next group. Um, and so it's about having a framework that allows you to, to move forward, to evolve, to step forward, to make, make progress. And if it works, you, you keep going with it. And then if it's not working or stopped working, then you've got to reevaluate it and, and see, see what else you can do. And. I think we put a few things in place when uh, when Kevin and I first first started to working together that that allowed us to move the program forward, um, and we had some some success. And then things things changed. The personality of the group changed. The the success um, kind of plateaued a little bit. And, and then we had to have a rethink and, and another look at it and, and see what we, what we could change and, and how we could continue to move the group forward. And I think that, that's what we've done. I think the way that our team and our staff and the way that we're, the way that we're structured or the way that I would like to think we are, we are structured is that each of us, each of us has this, this love for, for what we do as coaches and as and as as leaders, right? And so now within that, you got you have to bring together your team. And so how do you bring together your team? Well, my thoughts with with our team, meaning now our coaching staff, is that each guy has an expertise in an area that's a little bit unique and a little bit special and a little bit different than the other guys, myself myself included. And so the way that we've approached this is the same way that we approached um the cultural framework it's the same way that we've approached games and tactics um there's a plan there's a process there's input from everyone and then collectively we move forward and we enter into this opportunity with everybody fulfilling their roles to the best of their ability always knowing that guys are there to to help and so that is the inclusion of everyone from what one might look at and say, okay, uh, my role in this opportunity, in this contest, in this game, in this piece is A, I would say to you that everyone's contribution is equally important. It's the only way you can follow through, right? And put your tactics into play. And now you have to have the members of the group execute those tactics. And I think for us, the planning is never the issue. For us, it's always about wanting to push the tactics and the, and the execution. And so to, to our entire staff, 
and to our entire alumni community and our board of directors and their role in this and how they took the decades, right? And organized their specific decades of players uh, and alumni and friends to our players and, and what they did. Um, it was the same way we were expecting to get back out onto the field in 21 and win an Ivy League championship. It's no different. We approached it the same way. And I know you've heard it a few times. There's absolutely zero chance of us being effective during this pandemic, during this crisis, without the cultural framework and all of the work that Ken put into organizing this. It's an area that he's passionate about. It's an area that he is a great leader in. And just as Alex led us uh, on, on Giving Day and leads us in a variety of other ways, Ken certainly leads us in many other areas within our program, but in the cultural framework, he took this thing by the horns uh, and, drove, and drove us all forward. And, and I think without that, I'm not sure where our players would be. I'm not sure where we would be as, as people, where we would be as coaches right now, because it's a pretty difficult time. When you, guys, when you guys are recruiting for your next class, like obviously, you know, you want guys that are skilled, but do you also look for guys that are going to mesh well with the current build of your team from a personality and a cultural standpoint? Yeah. Um, look, I think... I think you know that, and, and as you continue to, to evolve and you continue to reflect on, on the work that you're doing, you, recruiting is such a massive part, right, of, of our responsibility and, and opportunity. And so we, we have a process that, that, we, that we follow. And so when we break that down, we look at, we look at what are our overall team needs. Right. What is what is going to be in the best interest of the team? Is that a is that a positional decision in in recruiting? Right. And then you're out there looking. And so you look and you you acquire and find players that you have an interest in from a certain perspective on the field. And then that's really not that difficult of the evaluation. That's that's usually pretty straightforward. It's it's the next part. It's the, the character, it's the, it's the day-to-day, it's who they are, it's what they bring to our program, and can we help them, can they help us, can the collective become a we? Um, and, and then there are, there are certain things in the recruiting process that are a little bit out of, out of our control, right? Some of those things are other schools, recruiting battles, all the things you get into. Um, and then obviously we know we're, we're one of the top three undergraduate academic institutions in the world. And with that comes academics and the academic fold that, that players have to bring with them. Um, and we can't control that piece. They go to the high schools that they go to. They have the class rigor that they have. And at some points during recruiting, they're pretty set in their academics and, and kind of where they are. And so that's where we can like somebody, they can fit in really, really well. We could think they're a, a great fit. And then you have to balance that academic piece, which is where the admissions process comes into play. And then you have to also take into consideration finances, right? And so where does that all come in? So recruiting, just like everything else, it's a process and it's, it's one that you have to stay on top of. It's one that you have to understand what your opportunity is and then finding, finding the right person to join the program helps create the right team on the field, in the community, 
and in the classroom. And that's really what it, what it boils down to. The virtual world has made it very, very different. Um, there's no live interaction right now. We've been, we've been placed in a dead period by the NCAA uh, right now through the end of December into the beginning of January. We don't know if that's gonna get lifted. So you're looking at players on a computer screen. You are having Zoom calls. You're doing virtual tours of your campus uh, in a Zoom in a Zoom environment, um, and so we've had to we've had to rethink. We've had to, in some ways, reinvent some of the things that are going on. Obviously, with a lot of your of your help, Kyle, and yourself, Mike, in terms of like what we're presenting, right? All the work you guys put into our recruiting platform, right, and all of the access now that that everybody has. So it's been a lot of a lot of shifting. I think the word we use is pivot. Because once you have one plan, you got to pivot because it seems like it's always changing. Um, but I think that as a group, we've come up with some really strong pillars in terms of your character, in terms of empathy, in terms of the things that we as a group, collectively, team, players, and, and extended staff believe are the right pillars for life. And so those are the ones that we've carried into the program. The players have taken responsibility and ownership of them. They've made it really easy for us to follow them because sometimes that's the best way to do it. Um, and, and so recruiting right now still remains, still remains a challenge um, in terms of getting the right feel uh, because there's nothing like being in a stadium, watching someone play uh, and evaluating that process. Watching it on a screen uh, is just really, really different. And then you throw on top of everything that, you know, some players aren't playing or, you know, you, they're playing sporadically with everything. That's got to add another layer of challenges when you're trying to, to find, you have somebody you, you're looking at and they, you don't know if they're going to play on a week to week basis or a month to month basis even. Games are getting, games are getting canceled the morning of, right? Games that, that we're prepared to watch or to log on and, and to see via all the live streaming that's going on now around the world and games are getting canceled morning up and there's nothing that players that players can do about it so for us um one of the things i think we do well is is we understand and look at what we can control uh, we do our very best to control those variables and to use what we have available to us and the resources that we have around us and those resources a lot of times right now are people who are the people resources? Who has the skill set to help us understand how to put together this virtual tour? Who has the skill set to help us understand how we can use video footage that we're acquiring and now take that and what data are we gonna draw from it and what conclusions are we gonna draw from there? So I think, I think there are a lot of usable pieces for what's gone on and I think it's gonna help us become stronger uh, as, as a group in terms of the way that we access things, the way that we display information, the way we can communicate uh, with our players. We all are aspirational that 2021, right, we are back on campus at Columbia playing all of our sports, right? That's what we want as long as it can be done in a healthy uh, and, safe, and safe way. But I think some of the things that we've learned we're going to take with us. Not all of them we'll continue to use, but we've, we've built certain um, characteristics and traits during this time frame, and learn certain skills that I think will be applicable for, for a successful future.
at the very least though it does give you when things do get back to normal and you can do things on a regular basis it gives you almost like a plan b if you know somebody's flight gets canceled or something like that i feel like you'll have those resources kind of still available and you can use that to your advantage it's not kind of an end-all be-all if they can't get there in person obviously that's the per preferred method but it almost you know might prepare you for have some backup plans too so that might be a positive that you guys can use moving yeah, forward i was thinking i was thinking um maybe it could like almost these zoom calls yeah. could almost serve as like your initial introduction to seeing somebody's face and talking to them um before they come on campus or something like that. Yeah, you know I, think I, mean? the, I think the Zoom calls will stay. That's yeah. something we, we always called recruits and texted them and, and continue to have conversations. But this has opened our eye. Obviously, we did, we did some, some video calls, but, but very few in, in comparison to now. So I think that's something that will stick. That's one thing in terms of getting to know somebody's personality. It's a little easier on Zoom. So a recruit that we're talking to from California or from Texas or from another country that can't get to campus on a weekend for, to come visit, I think Zoom will be very, very helpful in that regard, for sure. And then uh, I'll, I'll kind of just wrap up this virtual recruiting segment with, uh, with you, Coach, and I know you hit on it a little bit earlier, but um, when you are virtually recruiting, what is one element of the Columbia campus or the Columbia experience that you really try to showcase on a virtual platform? I think we try to show in the virtual platform our commitment to, to the people within, within our program and, and what are the characteristics and traits that are, that are important to us. I don't, I don't look at the virtual platform and say, well, I wanna showcase our amazing campus or I don't look at the virtual platform and say that I think I would love to showcase the Rocco B Camiso soccer stadium those are things that we do do but for me the the eye contact the interaction the engagement um, the timeliness of the person to to be on the call I'm still trying to get that human element that's so hard to get in this virtual world, I'm still searching for it. For me, that is, that is absolutely irreplaceable. And for me, sometimes it's that experience that you have, it's that feeling, it's that understanding. And I think ultimately what I hope for is, is to understand why this individual and family is so interested in us uh, and interested in Colombia. And then ultimately, does this person help us continue in our quest to to be the first ivy league men's soccer team to win a national championship that's still the goal that's still where we're driving and so for me um the human element is is the one that is is so greatly missed i i don't think just in recruiting i just think in general period the interaction the the 15 minutes that we get as a coaching staff just to walk down the hall and grab and grab a cup of coffee together and, and just hear how everybody's day is going. Um, the interactions that you get with the facility staff, the interactions that we get with our custodial staff. And I think you saw that we made sure that during our campaign towards, towards giving day, that we tried to connect with people. 
that was our message. It was thanks and empathy and understanding and appreciation for people. And so those are still the things that I'm looking for as, we, as we're in this recruiting virtual, virtual world. Those are the ones that I think are important for me. What have you learned about the, the guys that are currently on the team through all of this? What have you, you know, Coach Bagnoli talked about the team's resilience and things like that. Was that a main theme for you guys as well? Or is it, is it something maybe a little bit different or other things you've picked up from being in this virtual environment? I'll just jump in and say, yeah, we've, our guys are resilient, man. They, I can't believe what they've, what they've had to endure and, and at the same time able to balance the level of commitment to each other and to the program and to still driving forward. That's what's been incredible because, you know, last, last winter before, before everything happened, uh, we were on a mission and we were doing it and we felt it. Everybody felt it. Um, and that started with the cultural framework that, that Ken talked about. And then it started with just a new energy for, for the, for the year. Um, that has not stopped, um, not once through this whole thing, through everything everybody's been through. And I think that's what's so special about our guys is they've continued to push this culture so that when we do get on the field, and hopefully it's here in January, February, they're ready to go. And I think that's, for me, that's the number one thing. That, that keeps me going. That keeps me engaged with them first on a personal level. Um, so that's what's been special is to see really how strong and committed they are to our program. Yeah, I would add, I would add one of the one of the characteristics that has really really stood out for me, and one of the things that I'm I'm most proud when I when I check in on guys, and I think you guys you guys know right. We're on text messages and Zoom calls, and we even do these old school thing called phone calls sometimes, where <laughs> there's no video involved. And I think as we're going through it, the the care and understanding that that the guys on our team have for each other has been has been amazing when when i pick up a call or reach out to somebody and i hear so hey man who who have you connected with lately and this guy is connecting with these three guys not necessarily the guys that he's usually with right because you have you have groups that that align within teams right and it's yeah, you know, he, he just checks in every once in a while just to see, just to see how I'm doing. I think for me, that's been the most amazing part of this is the relationship building and the authenticity in the relationship, because I think that's a characteristic and a trait that you can build on. And I think that's a characteristic and a trait that you can win championships with. When guys are bought into the guy next to them, in a way that's really special, really unique, really authentic, it's genuine. Um, you have the opportunity from some amazing growth uh, within, within your group. And so I think for me, that's, that's the one thing that I've picked up on that, that really is heartfelt as I reach out and, and talk to guys on our team. One thing I want to do, since we do have the three of you on this call with us together and it's you know we we don't have entire coaching staffs on the call like this is the first time as i mentioned before so if you guys will humor me i want to get our listeners to get to know the men's soccer coaching staff a little bit person from a personable side but i don't want it to come from yourselves i want it to come from others so <laughs> now you're really putting people on the hot seat, Ooh. Kyle. This is good. This is good. This might just be its own podcast by itself. Ken's ready for this one. <laughs> got I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I've kind of picked the order here, so I'm going to 
start with Alex. And Alex, in, we'll pick two words. Let us get to know Ken Pollard in two words. That's not a knuckleball. That's impossible. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Two words. That's going to be tough. Um, I would say thoughtful would be number one. I can agree with that. Very, very, very thoughtful of any scenario, any situation. It's, there's thought going into to everything. Um, and I think that's, that's a really nice trait. Um, just intelligence, smart. I mean, the, the things that he knows about um, the physical side of the game, stuff that we all depend on, our phones and computers and gadgets to get the information. Ken already knows it. He's got a system in place. So he's just, he's just really, really smart. So thoughtful and smart. All right. And then I'm going to have Ken – Give me I know that words. wasn't too fun, but I no, no, no. That's good. That's good. I can. I don't want to. I've only known. Bad. I've only known Ken uh, a little over a year. Well, and I, you know, don't see him nearly as much as you guys do. But I can. I can get behind that. Uh, and I didn't want to do this to you, Alex, with uh, you know your boss that you've only been working with for two years, so or still with less than hey, two years. So I'm gonna. How do you think, gonna how do you think I got the job? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make Ken do it. But Ken, uh, two in two words, uh, head coach Kevin Anderson. And challenging at the same time. Um, I would say relentless in in a very positive, driven way. And kind, empathetic. He's is simply just one of the, the the kindest and most empathetic human beings I've ever met. Very nice. I like that. And now we're going to move on to Coach Anderson. Thanks, Ken. Uh, in two words, uh, your assistant coach, Alex Vadovich. Driven and focused. I got to give us a little context. So... Alex is someone who wakes up and wants to move things in a forward in a forward direction for the benefit of the group and wants to ensure that his role within that push is completed above and beyond what anyone's expectations would be including including his own and for him it's how does it fit into helping the group become the best it could be at whatever that might be, whether it's on giving day, whether it's in social media, whether it's talking about building out of the back, whether it's talking about periodization. Um, he has a drive and a focus um, because he, he wants to help the group achieve something really special. Thanks, Kev. Great answers. Yeah, I thought those were great answers. Was that the like, that's the first time we've ever done that. So I wanted, I, I thought it was, thought that was solid. What's that, Mike? Did you, did you think it was going to go in that direction when you thought of this segment? I thought somebody was going to say Harry. Or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that 
would be our staff. That would be, <laughs> that would be our staff as a whole. <laughs> Although it's hard now in the uh, virtual world, I feel like we all have uh, put on some extra facial hair. All right, guys. Thanks for the time. Really great conversation. Good catching up with all of you. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. All fun. Pleasure. So that'll do it for this segment of the Roarcast. We'll be right back with four members of the Columbia men's soccer team. So stick around. JAG One Physical Therapy is a proud partner of the Columbia Lions. With state-of-the-art rehabilitation equipment and facilities, allow us to develop a specific plan catered to each patient. The JAG One team proudly serves the tri-state area with facilities throughout Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. We're here for you. Get back the life you love. Visit www.jag1pt.com. That's J-A-G-O-N-E-P-T.com for more information. New York Presbyterian Hospital is one of the nation's most comprehensive, integrated academic health care delivery systems dedicated to providing the highest quality, most compassionate care and service to patients in the New York metropolitan area, nationally and throughout the globe. New York Presbyterian is consistently recognized as a leader in medical education, groundbreaking research, and innovative patient-centered clinical care. Ranked number one in the New York metropolitan area by U.S. News and World Report and repeatedly named to the honor roll of America's best hospitals, New York Presbyterian has 10 locations in the metropolitan area. For more information, visit nyp.org today. Welcome back to the Roarcast. It's our men's soccer takeover week. I'm Kyle Matrician, joined by Mike Kowalski. And for our final segment of this week's podcast, we've got uh, we've got a quartet of men's soccer players with us. We've got a sophomore Ori Zeitz from Bethesda, Maryland, but he is in New York right now. Three of the four are in New York, Ori Zeitz. We've got junior Will Todd uh, from Australia. And we've got seniors Shile, oh, I hope I say this right, Shile Ogundayan and Avi Eller. Got the, th- uh, the thumbs up, Kyle. I nice got work. the I got the okay signal from Shile. So I've had I've had a year of practice to saying that name. So <laughs> uh, but we you know, uh Shile, Avi, and Ori, the three of them are in New York. Uh Shile originally from the UK, Avi from Minnesota, and Ori, as I said, from Maryland. And then we've got Will Todd joining us from Australia. A repeat guest our first ever repeat no guest no he's not technically our first repeat guest it's him and he's peter not? pilling he's on peter pilling status. student guest <laughs> our first ever repeat student guest but he and peter pilling are the only ones to appear on multiple broadcasts it's like so, hosting snl for like five times you get a jacket or something if you set a record i was gonna say when we plug the when we plug this podcast we can like you know when the, you know when you're watching uh late night with i don't know we used to be david letterman and it's like with special guest will todd and they show <laughs> from like the last time they were on the show it's like that's pretty much what we're gonna have now as well no, but uh, we appreciate you guys humoring us there. Uh, we re- uh, first of all, thank you to you four of you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having uh, me. Oh, not not a problem at all. Will, since you're a repeat guest, I'm going to start with you uh, out in Australia. This we're recording this during what has been election week, not election day, but election week here in the United States. And we were joking about it a little bit before we came on the air, but. You know, what's the view of the U.S. 
presidential and general elections uh, out in Australia? Yeah, well, we're definitely keeping a keen eye on the election over here. I know every major news network had um, broad, a full day broadcast on election day. And every time you turn the TV here, whether it's an Australian channel or you go on CNN or Fox, it's still still covering it. Um, so we're, it's hard to say. I don't want to sound too, you know, I guess patronizing, but in some ways we're quite, I guess, we're laughing a little at what's happened over there. It seems like <laughs> I think it's okay to say that. I'm sure. No, it's, it's completely fine. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, what I want to know is, are people surprised how close this is? Were like even were people abroad surprised how close this is? Yeah, I think similar to what it's like over there, most people didn't assume it would be this close. Obviously, there were some people that thought, you know, it would be very close. But overall, I think people are surprised at what's happening right now, and that Trump's been able to get, I guess, gather that much support. So yeah, you know, unfortunately, this fall season was canceled uh, the the seniors, Avi and uh, Sheila, um, you know, unable to participate in the fall. We don't yet know what the spring might bring, uh, but for now, uh, you know, how did you guys as seniors, and I don't mean to start this podcast, maybe a bit of a downtrodden mood here, but as seniors, um, you know, handle that situation. And when did you really, you know, did you have time to cope with it over the summer, like thinking that this was going to be the end result or, you know, how did you guys cope with that? I think um, when we first got sent home in the spring last semester, we didn't really realize like to what extent the whole COVID thing would affect us, especially for the next semester. I mean, some of us thought that we'd be coming back in the spring. So but I would say slowly over the summer, like there was a realization that the season probably was going to happen. And I'd say we fully internalized that probably in like July or August, just kind of came to terms with that. But we're still very optimistic for a spring season, hoping for that, trying to stay ready. So exactly. Yeah. As you guys should be a hundred percent. Sheila, just uh, your thoughts on that. Um, I'll say that uh, it's been, it's been difficult, but our mindset now is just kind of looking, looking, to how we can help the program it's um from personal level it's unfortunate i think that we all wanted a senior season and it's something that we may not get but we're just gonna have to see um but in terms of in terms of kind of the program moving forward we just kind of want to help as much as possible so whether that's getting to know the younger guys the freshmen helping them to get settled in um yeah it's just a case of like being useful for everyone else and um because we realize that what we can can kind of take in terms of the season and being as play is kind of diminished now. So it's difficult. How does your uh, senior leadership kind of transformed, you know, as to what you would have expected to be as a senior and, you know, you guys have like uh, quite a group, you know, quite a talented large group of seniors uh, in your class, but you know, how, do, how does your roles as senior leaders transform in this environment now? that we I would say our leadership really hasn't like, fallen off at all even though most things we do are over zoom or virtually um it's kind of interesting like once you step into senior year you just feel like um I don't know you just feel like this weight on your shoulders to like really carry the load and try to be a leader even if you haven't been the most vocal guy in the past I think you just kind of have a sense of responsibility that you didn't have beforehand um so we've just been doing things like trying to I don't know we've been very involved with the coaches we probably 
text with Kev almost every day. Um, and we just try to like start initiatives and help any way we can. And that hasn't changed with the virtual world we're living in now. Mm, no, I'll be ready as a leader. I will, um, I'll, uh, back. <laughs> I'm going to back my band now. Um, um, I think our leadership, um, transcends soccer itself. Um, it really kind of goes off the pitch. And again, it's about kind of helping younger kids through and being able to help kids with the stuff that we found difficult. So yeah, I think that like being able to be a leader without actually, you know, like getting on the pitch is really important. Um, I think that we had that when we were freshmen. And now it's even more important because um, the younger guys don't have the same support in the locker room that we had. And so it's more important to look for different ways and like to look for tons of ways to, like show, you know, that you can support them. Um, so yeah, no, it, it really is kind of larger than just, you know, the actual on pitch stuff. And um, hopefully our class is doing a good job to help out. So. How do you guys think this virtual environment can help you when you do get back? I mean, what are some things that you can take with you that you can, you know, I'm sure you guys, it sounds like you guys are almost over communicating, which is probably the way to do it in this, in this environment. Um, talk a little bit about that. Anybody? Will, Will Todd. Yeah, well, I think one thing I can take out of it, the virtual learning is that communication is key. I think as you touched on Mike, we've been over communicating to some extent that I think it's so important, um, especially right now, of course, with the virtual world we're living in and the fact that we're, we're distanced to some extent physically and we're in different cities and countries around the world. Um, but we've been having team meetings every week, you know, and we've been going through stuff from a team standpoint and soccer standpoint, tactically, but also just from a well-being um, standpoint, just touching in, talking to the coaches, talking with each other, just having a bit of banter, laughing a little bit and just seeing how everyone's doing, making sure everyone's all right, because right now everyone's in, everyone's in a different situation, everyone's in a different scenario. So it's, it's obviously very, very unique challenges everyone's facing. And I think that's one thing we can take when we finally do get back all together on campus, um, being able to communicate more, being able to check in with each other, um, on a constant basis, seeing everyone's doing, I think that will be something that will be really important for us going forward. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, of soccer. I want to hit on last season a little bit, and this is going to be for Avi and Chile primarily. Uh, last season, you know, clearly not the record that you guys wanted to end up with, right? Five, eight, and four. Uh, just, you know, from a wins, from a results standpoint, uh, it didn't it didn't pan out, but a lot of one goal games, a lot of really close games uh, through the season that could have gone either way. Um, but when you look at this team, where do you think this team is like li lined up for the future? I mean, we've got and I I'm not going to make him talk about it, so I'll make you guys talk about it. But you've got the last year's Ivy League Rookie of the Year right here on this uh, podcast, Ori Zeitz, um, and you've got a lot of a lot of talent on this team, a lot of young talent on this team, and a lot of a lot of leadership from the upperclassmen. So like, where do you, in your opinion, um, how do you see the future of this team? Right. Yeah. I would say last season, we lost a lot of pieces. Every season when you're a collegiate athlete, you're going to lose a lot of role players, a lot of starting guys, a lot of pieces that really help the team. But I think last season and these upcoming seasons, whether we're a part of them or not, um, I think the young guys really have a ton of potential and a lot of them stepped up right away. Um, so I have, a lot of, I have a lot of confidence in the team and, and what they can do going forward. And the heart and the dedication is completely there. Like these guys are fully locked in to an extent that I don't think I've seen yet with our program, even though we've had 
a lot of successful years in our time here. I just think these guys are, are on another level in terms of dedication and, and intent, really. So I'm excited to see what, what they can put together. Mm, yeah, whole other level. Whole other level of dedication, these guys. It's, uh, it's really been incredible, actually, to watch. Um, I think that um, having, having seen what the coaches have been able to instill in us, we had kind of once every week would have on Wednesdays last spring, we'd have kind of culture sessions. And it really just kind of ingrains the kind of dedication that the coaches want to see. So I think they've, they've really kind of put in the effort to, to help us mentally as well as physically. And I think that that really can take us to the next level. I think that um, those types of sessions and helping the team to build as a team and to, and to build the culture is something that you really can't um, replace. And it's really valuable. So yeah, I, especially led by Ori, I think that as a whole, and the other young guys as well, of course, you know, Will and, and um, Andrew Stevens and others, there's been a, a whole new level of dedication, just like focus on, on the cause. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really incredible to see, actually. I will say as well, um, since we haven't been on the pitch as much and haven't been able to play, I think our team fully, like, talent-wise is there. But I think being virtually and such, we've had a lot of time to, to work on, like, our mental and the mental aspect of the game with our culture meetings and such. Um, in a way that we haven't before. We spent probably in the spring, even when we were playing, we'd spend just as much time talking about team culture and mentality as we did actually like on the ball, on the field. So I think that's another aspect of our game that's, that's going to level up in a sense. Mm. I, I was going to say, since we do have Ori on the call, and again, I'm not going to make him talk about his individual accolades, but um, I will bring up that, as I said, you were last year's Ivy League Rookie of the Year. You scored five goals, had four assists in the freshman season. Uh, you let, I mean, your shots on goal percentage last year was phenomenal uh, from a statistical standpoint. But what I will ask you is, Ori, when you came into college, uh, you looked very comfortable out there as a freshman. Uh, so did you come in with that? Is that, is that just your playing style? Did you come in with that level of comfort on the pitch? Uh, is that just the way that you've played your entire career? Did it, did you have jitters and you just didn't show them or, you know, I just want you to shed a little light on that. Yeah. I mean, I think throughout my career, I've always been a guy that likes to be on the ball. So confidence wise, I don't think that will ever change, but I think, I got a lot of support from the coaches, from other like seniors on the team, like Johnny Dennis and Dan Larinetto that really, even older guys like Sheila and Avi that encouraged me to get on the ball, attack, score goals, get assists. And took the cue uh, there from Sheila and Avi. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the team was definitely key in trusting me on the ball, trusting my role on the team and uh, that definitely helped me exceed nice and again i won't we won't we won't linger on that too much um i do want to i do want to jump topics here to um you guys you know on this podcast are a very diverse group and soccer in general is a very diverse group of people and um we like to talk to all of our student athletes about this but with everything that happened over the summer, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, uh, the social justice movement, the fight against racial injustices. Um, have you guys done anything as a team uh, to come together and kind of do your part? Um, yeah, I can start on that. Um, as a team, we've um, 
throughout the summer and last spring, I think we got together and we did a lot of like team educational pieces, whether that was like sharing information of the current events and then also sharing resources of books, articles, movies and stuff like that, just to educate ourselves on systemic racism and like social justice efforts. And then um, more recently, um, we have actually partnered with a local um, nonprofit organization in, in Harlem called FC Harlem. They are a soccer organization that um, is working with uh, youth in Harlem and the South Bronx to um, encourage soccer player development and community leadership, player leadership, academic success. Um, so we're partnering with them. We're gonna be doing um, tutoring, college process, help, and um, mainly a big thing, uh, fundraising that we're actually gonna be starting uh, next week. That's really, that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, what kind of, you know, obviously, we, we know, and from a general standpoint, what inspired that, but, you know, was there anybody individually that kind of took that upon themselves and got the rest of the team interested? Yeah, I mean, so this summer, um, in the wake of the George Floyd murder and then everything that transpired since then, I know Kev connected with a few of us, um, but I would say Ori, speaking of the younger, the younger guys, uh, taking a leadership role or he's definitely definitely stood up and and done his part in this in this whole social injustice thing um i think he feels really strongly about it as do as do our whole team um but he's really organized the fc harlem thing he made the google doc for our team with all the resources on educating ourselves along with Vito lucio as well um but yeah i would say those two guys specifically have really done a lot so speaking of, you know, George Floyd and that whole situation, you're from Minneapolis. So were you home over the summer when that happened? And did you experience, you know, any of the protesting? Were you, I mean, I just, I just want to kind of get your, uh, your standpoint from all that. If, if you were out there, I don't know for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was home this summer. Um, I live right in, in, right in the city of Minneapolis. So yeah, I mean, I saw all the protests. I saw everything boarded up. Um, I participated in a few protests. Um, yeah, I mean, it was crazy to see, but it was really um, as tragic as it was. I was happy to see it firsthand and be in the heart of all of it. Um, and I really think it sparked a conversation that needed to be had in this country. Um, so in light of it, I think a lot of changes is going to be made and is ready to be made, but people just got to keep pushing. We can't forget about it. And yeah. We're going to, we'll, we'll lighten things up a little bit. I know there's no I was, real, I wanted to get to the lighter fun yeah, stuff. There's no really good way to transition. So we'll, we'll just make it work. Yeah. Uh, something I asked last week. Uh, I'm curious, any hobbies you guys have picked up over quarantine? Some you might've started, some you might not have started and stopped or what you've stuck with and anything like that. We'll just kind of go around the horn. Start with you, Will. Um, something I've all that I used to do was surfing. I think being out, being having so much time here, um, being right near the beach, I've been able to get down there in the morning, early in the morning, sunrise, then later in the afternoon too, and be able to surf a lot more, which has been cool. And then also um, being able to watch a lot more 
a lot more movies at home. I think when there's no sport on, there was nothing to kind of watch. So my brother, who's a big film fan, kind of set up like a home cinema kind of thing. And we watched like a new movie every night, starting off with like classics, you know, movies going back like decades into the middle of the 20th century. And also looking at ones like, that looked at um, racial injustice as well when all that was kind of happening. So it's been quite, quite interesting, quite eye-opening seeing some of those films that sort of, I guess, made Hollywood um, big and sort of big blog, big, big blockbusters <laughs> from um, a few decades ago. And then also looking at some newer ones that people, you know, don't really get to see too often. So that's been really cool. What are your top no, three? Yeah. Sorry. Okay, I love Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, which very old film um, with Natalie Wood. Uh, then As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. Good one. And um, Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee. Good choices. I've seen two of the three at least. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you for a movie list, but after you named those three, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't need to hear anymore. <laughs> None of you guys are part of uh, Talent Tuesday for this uh, social media takeover week, are you? Have you happened to see any of the talents at anybody? Oh, wait, Will is. What, aren't you, Will? Aren't you in one of the oh, videos? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're, is it the, is it the three-person juggle? Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on, don't ruin it. <laughs> That's okay. Spoiler That's okay. alert. <laughs> That's okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but, uh, it, oh, God, who's in that? I, I've seen the, uh, it's you. Who else is in it? Uh, Sebastian and Daniel Lopez. That's right. So how do you come up with the idea to try and do that together? Um, I think it started freshman year. We were living together. Um, so we, I don't know how it started, like very, very start, but we just started juggling either like Sebastian or I. And then we start every day, like we'd be studying and, we'd have like a five minute break and we just sort of get up and just start juggling tennis balls or like, I think Sebastian even had juggling balls. I don't know why, but he <laughs> did. And then I think we like Lopez sort of taught himself how to do it. And then we came up with the idea to sort of do it all together. And we started watching videos like that taught us how you could do it. And then we like, would take like five, 10 minute blocks um, during some days and just practice. And we suddenly got really good at it. <laughs> You three have like an extra connection now on the pitch. Like, does that translate? <laughs> oh, yeah, we do. We do. You, can just, you just know. Well, going back to the original topic, what else have you guys been up to that doesn't involve like soccer and schoolwork? Uh, I, I mean, I was just about to say that I've actually started watching like Premier League soccer again, but. Yes, Chile. Yeah. Who, do you, who do you support? I'm a big Chelsea fan. Mike's a Chelsea yeah, fan. Exactly. So, like, not sure what it is, but the time difference, like, has like kind of stopped me watching as much um, soccer as normal. But um, this 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 break got back into like watching sports a lot again, especially because it's, it's like the only thing on right now. So, but um, yeah, it's been it's been exciting. And then I don't really watch movies, so I guess it's not really for me. I haven't really been in a big Netflix guy. So yeah, just watching sports. Well, freshman year when we were in Qatar with the team um one of our teammates Spiros and I were watching Pulp Fiction in the hotel room one night when we had downtime and Sheila was watching with us and it was the scene with um Samuel L. Jackson and what's his name John Travolta and 
Sheila asked if either of them were Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's not actually what happened. No, no, no. I'm, I'm That's not what happened. What happened? <laughs> what happened was that like I was like referring to like the, first of all, not Samuel L. Jackson. Very big difference between him and Quentin Tarantino. Um, I was referring to like the other guy being like, is that him or not? Which if you haven't seen Quentin Tarantino, you wouldn't know. So it's kind of a fair question. Um, I think we should scratch that part out. All right, next question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Julie, that's, uh, that's quality <laughs> podcast content right there. <laughs> that's an amazing, that's an amazing, uh, amazing random story right there by Avi. <laughs> Um, yeah, no more of that, Avi. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but one thing is, so, so we were asked um, to be on the Talent Tuesdays, and that made me think, what talents, or myself and Avi think, what talents we have. And all I realized was that we really don't have many talents, honestly. Like, there's not much coming from us. So, no. just gonna stick with soccer. Yeah, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> or do you have any talents? Ah, uh, I mean. I don't know if I have no, any. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> Murray, that was the perfect opportunity. I was waiting for you to be like, yes, yeah, scoring goals. <laughs> <laughs> Chile knows all about that. <laughs> Avi, I tried. Avi, I tried last year. I want to say it was the Monmouth game. I tried to give you a goal, and then uh, it was the own goal, and you were like right there. And from where I was, oh, no. from where I was in the, but from where I was in the uh, press box, it looked like you had scored. And then we looked at the replay, and Sal Rosamilia, who calls the games for us, was like, that was an own goal. He didn't score. And I was like... Uh, he doesn't do the whole scoring thing. He doesn't do it. I'm not striking that, like, life's not to score. Being like Roberto Firmino. He's like, yeah, he's all about, like, helping everyone else out. That's I'm okay. I'm a facilitator. I'm a facilitator. Good, good. And I have a lot of pride in that. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm trying to teach my six- and seven-year-old soccer kids right now that I'm coaching. <laughs> he no, facilitated he goal that goal. goal. It's okay, though. What's your role, Shulay? What? Are you also a facilitator? <laughs> you're you're more of a morale guy. Than, uh... It's not about me. <laughs> it's not about me. Okay. Ari doesn't do I didn't do the whole scoring thing. Or you're a bit selfish. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> fine. And well, you, you just do you. You do, man. You too. I feel like we bring this up on every time we have men's soccer on anything, but I'm gonna bring it up. And he's graduated now. But the goal last year that Nick Marson scored on senior day. Oh, man. I mean, at, like, just – I wasn't even at that game because I also cover women's basketball, and they were – that was, like, their home opener. And so somebody else from our office was covering the game, but I watched – I saw the video, obviously. Um, that moment. And then, basically, you all just stormed the field, and he rips his – or some, I don't know if he ripped his shirt off or somebody else ripped his shirt off. And it was, like, a 6 nil game at that point anyway. Yeah, no. I can pretty much give you like a full like breakdown of what actually happened from like our point of view. It all started when at halftime coach told me to come on the pitch. <laughs> and uh, I said, no, it's fine. Give, give the seniors their time. Um, and so he was like, all right, Nick, come on, let's go. So Nick comes on. You know, I don't want to say the limelight is fine. You know, it's, it's all good. Um, and then what about, it was, it was about what, like five minutes left to go? He has played a pass. As the ball comes into him, he's kind of turning out and he looks over the bench and looks at me. And I go, Nick, shoot. <laughs> and Nick Put the ball the replay and see all these, see all this. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Little... You look in the camera, you can see. Okay. And, and, and I go, Nick, shoot with your left foot 
top left-hand corner. He looks at me, nods, and gets the ball, and then runs. And he does exactly what I told him to do. And scores, goes crazy. Goes absolutely crazy. Um, and then runs over the bench. And you can see actually from the pictures that he runs over me. The reason why he does that is because I told him what to do before the play. Um, and that's what happened. That's what happened. So I don't want to take credit for the situation. But, um, A good in-game coaching from the yeah, bench. That's that's exactly what happened. Who who fed him the ball? I don't remember. I'm trying to right now. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to pull up the photos, like because I it was, have it was actually Dan, have the video right here. Go it ahead. Dan, it was Dan Larinetto. That's right. It wow. was Dan. You're right. When we say we lead in different ways, we really meant it. <laughs> we really meant it. But I just want, I mean, it's, it's like the moments, that was like the moment of the season in my mind. Like it was like such a good way to close out. See, I know you guys went to Cornell after that, but it was the last home game. And uh, that, was a, that was an incredible moment. It was, it was awesome that you guys uh, got to have that moment. And an awesome moment for Nick too, his first ever collegiate goal in his last home game so good for him all right well i just wanted to make sure we got that moment in before we finished up with uh the guys here but hey kyle, kyle yeah i'm gonna take rose spot i'm gonna steal her segment, take it segment here. Just thought of something mike just thought this of is, something this, this is take two of this to be honest we're gonna tell everybody we tried this with the coaches it didn't quite work out didn't work um okay. uh we'll see if it works out better this time thoughts on ted lasso have you guys watched I'm getting the same what? blank stares, Mike. Same, the same blank not stairs. the only one that watches the show. Nobody. Oh my God. What? What is that from? And All right. It's so it's on Apple, Apple TV. TV. Do you remember when NBC got the rights to Premier League? They had uh, Jason Sudeikis play the American football coach that went to coach for Tottenham. Yep. He's, they made a series out of that, and there's no way it should have worked, but it does. It's hilarious, and I'm surprised that you guys haven't watched it because, like, it's like EPL's like retweeting stuff from it like jose Mourinho brought it up in a press conference like he's like saying i i, I told ted lasso what to do things like that like it's hilarious oh, uh, i haven't even heard of it honestly i'm a big i'm a big show guy so i'll have to watch it you know, yeah the first episode's a little tough but after you get through the first one it's really good really good like very like it's wholesome and funny and like i said there's no reason why it should be funny and work but it does it's it's amazing we will uh, we will wrap up this podcast. Um, again, we really appreciate the four of you uh, joining us uh, from different locations, except for Sheila and Avi, who are uh, about 25 feet away from each other, maybe a wall or two. Um, but we appreciate you guys coming on and, uh, you know, we wish you the best. We hope you all stay healthy and, you know, we look forward to hopefully seeing you guys play in the spring. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. So that'll do it for another episode of the Roarcast. We'll be joined by Megan Rojas again, hopefully next week or sometime soon. Uh, make sure you follow Go Columbia Lions on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for all the men's soccer takeover content. And catch up on all the other takeover weeks and all the other cool content we're doing too. You can catch up on all previous episodes of this podcast by visiting Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Go find us, search for Columbia Athletics and subscribe, leave some comments for us and we'll talk to you soon. So thanks again for listening.